Guys, we're in the middle of a pandemic and these are trying times. It's hard on our mental health, our mental state. And this is why I love our sponsor today, BetterHelp. They're the largest online counseling platform worldwide. They change the way people get help with facing life's challenges by providing convenient, discreet, affordable access to licensed therapists. BetterHelp makes professional counseling available anytime, anywhere, through a computer, tablet, or smartphone. It's brilliant. Sign up today. Go to betterhelp.com backslash solving healthcare and get 10% off sign up fees. COVID has affected us all, and with all the negativity surrounding it, it's often hard to find the positive. One of the blessings it has given us is the opportunity to build an avenue for creating change, starting right here in our community. Discussing topics that affect us most, such as racism in healthcare, maintaining a positive mindset, creating change, the importance of advocacy, and the many lessons we have all learned from COVID. If you or your organization are interested in speaking engagements, send a message to quadcast99 at gmail.com, reach out on Facebook at Quadcast, or online at drquadjo.ca. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quadjo Caramante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Quadcast Nation, welcome back. You know, we had to bring back the one and only Dr. Mike Curlew. Got into a deep conversation about systemic racism issues, and, and this was really driven a lot by what we've seen. Front lines managing COVID, but also when we're talking about the atrocities we've seen with the residential schools, how this really shone a light on how systemic ra- racism is truly embedded in our, in our society. And like everything else, we try and talk about ways of overcoming. It was a great conversation we had with Dr. Curlew had to bring him back. Unbelievable physician, unbelievable advocate, unbelievable human being. Uh, so I think you'll really enjoy this. Before that, don't forget about Solvent Wellness. Pow, pow. SolventWellness.com, our intervention, our initiative to try and manage clinician burnout. So we got live yoga, fitness classes, cooking classes, nutrition tips, mindful meditation, stress management on one platform, solventwellness.com. Sign up today, $99 for the year or $9.99 per month. But check it, first month is free. Bam. Okay, without further ado, Dr. Mike Curlew. Quadcast Nation, we're bringing back my brother from another mother. Oh Dr. Mike Curlew. Oh my God is right. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. God. <laughs> How the from hell? Residency, man. From residency. From residency. From yeah. when we were just little, little ones, and now we're, we're, we're all exactly middle aged farts. But uh, there you go. How are you? Exactly. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, oh, I want to. I want to. I want to start off by saying, man, I'm so proud of the amazing work that you're doing. Like you oh, are. Man. You are doing. So- no, I'm serious. I'm serious. I'm not just oh. saying that to be 
to be anything. I'm, I'm saying you were doing some phenomenal work. You know what I mean? And I, I want to, I want to thank you for that. You know what All I right. mean? You put in a lot of work into this and, and it's really sort of, you know, been a platform for people to sort of discuss very complicated issues, you know, and I just want to thank you for that. You know what I mean? And thank you for the, the hard work that you put in, you know what I mean? Into doing that every single day. And uh, you know what? It's given me some good tips. I like my, you know, take my 25 minutes to kind of, you know what I mean? And stuff. Yes. I'm, taking my yes. I'm like, I'm serious. No, I'm, I'm serious. That like, like that works like that. Oh, has yeah. I'm serious. That has approved my efficiency. I, I swear. I swear. Oh. And I'm not plugging that for nothing. Oh, well, thank you for it this. It has improved my efficiency. So I'm, I, I'm like, I'm like, and I'm already like kind of all over the place to begin and stuff. So to have that kind of spend that period of time and then, you know, you have kind of that intentional little break there, man, I, I'm, 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 I'm all over solving wellness, man. And I oh. like how you're doing that. You know, it's not oh, only about... Man. You know, having the discussions on the on the very important issues that are sort of affecting our healthcare system, but it's making sure that we're well, right? Oh my well, right? absolutely. absolutely. To be able to take care of others, we need to be a sound of mind, body. You know, you know what I'm saying. So yeah, thank you for the plug. And like, right. I got it's you're the guest here, man, who's inspired so much. And so I, we're just gonna jump into it, my friend. Since we last spoke, you made a move. You're no yes, longer man, in Suluka. Yes, yes. Love. I love Sue Lookout. I love my man. It was like 13, 14 years there. Met amazing people. Um, um, really inspiring patients. Worked with amazing colleagues and stuff like that, too. So I had an awesome time out there. Um, we actually moved over to northeastern Ontario on the James Bay coast and stuff. Um, you know, I was planning to do a little bit more work back and forth, but then coronavirus hit. Mm. So, um, so we've been, uh, we've been, uh, been here for the last, uh, uh last, uh, almost Most couple of years now and stuff. Yeah. So having fun, it's a great, uh, a great, uh, great group of, a great group of people in Moose Factory and stuff. And the leadership here is phenomenal and, and, uh, people here are super nice, super friendly and, and we're really having a, really having a good time. You know, I, 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 yeah. fe- I, I feel so blessed, you know, having to start off my career in Sioux Lookout, working with some amazing patients, real role models and 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 working with some incredible doctors and and and, and amazing people and you know to, to have this phase of my career now moose factory and stuff it's 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 just it's just been a it's just been a real privilege and stuff you know so absolutely and big, and big up to the north northeast big up to northwest. North east. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We gotta, we gotta throw some, throw some. Exactly, we gotta throw some respect, respect, respect to northeast and northwest, right? Yeah, I love it. I love it. There you go. There you go. Well, maybe let. What's the COVID experience been like, my friend? Like you have a very unique uh, experience compared to yeah. some of us that have had more, for example, resources um, yeah, and exactly. uh, different different kind of volume. So, like, what, what's what's it been like? Well, you know what? One of the things I was uh, impressed at was like regionally the leadership, right? Like the leadership and the public health leadership and the community leadership to really sort of inspire people that, you know, like we got this. Does that make sense? Like we can get through this. And I find that when you have that leadership regionally or at the hospital level, it, it is just, it is, it is amazing and it's inspiring. Right. Mm. Um, um, and I, and I want to really acknowledge that, you know what I mean? Because that, that is, that is big, you know, but it was 
great to see communities with their messaging and their public health strategies trying their best to keep themselves safe. You know what I mean and stuff. And and, and I think that is I think that is awesome to see. You know what I mean and stuff because colonization works to devalue everything in a community, right? Like that's how colonization works, right? And systemic racism that, you know, you have to go out to, to, to get this particular, to get this particular resource and stuff. And, and it was amazing when you see the pub, what was happening from a public health perspective in the North, the coordination, the advocacy around certain issues that, and this was all community led. I'm like that, that blew me away. That blew me wow. away. Right. So I, I really got to, I really got to acknowledge that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, 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 it, it is, you know what, man, COVID, <laughs> I was remember we were talking before we were on how, you know, two years ago when we last spoke, almost two years, right? We, mm. Like there was no COVID, right? We were up, we were in a, we were at a hospital, you know what I mean? And stuff, we were just talking and, and, and chatting and stuff like that too. And, and I'm just like, wow, look at how the world has changed in just the last 18 months, Incredible. right? Like, I don't Incredible. think any... I don't, I don't think any one of us really saw this coming, right? You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's look how much has changed. And you know, the thing that I, I've learned from COVID, you know, just from seeing the experiences um, um, in the North, seeing the experiences um, in the South as well, too, you know what I mean? Because we watch TV or, or go to meetings and, and you'd be at these meetings with physicians and, and healthcare providers who work in, in, in Southern Ontario. You know, it's like, COVID is a follower, right? Like COVID follows inequity. Word. Like, like this is, I'm, I'm for real. Like, like the COVID is a follower. Like if you look at in a city who gets sick and you saw this first line. Amen. Amen. If you look at who's getting sick, COVID is a follower. It is following inequity. So when you got equity issues, you gonna have COVID issues. Period. It's so, and it was so abundantly clear. It was, I mean, it took a while, you know, for us to acknowledge this in the first wave or or just post first wave where we weren't capturing some of that uh, race based data. But holy cow, like it was abundantly clear, you know, this is affecting people on the margins, racialized communities. Exactly. um, It still is. Right, right. Exactly. And that's the thing. You know what I mean? Like, like, this is a virus that latches on to inequity. And when there's systemic inequity, when there's systemic injustices, when there's systemic racism that is, that is, that is, that is not leveling the playing field, that's introducing massive gaps in equity, COVID figures out a way to, you know, exploit those gaps. Mm-hmm. COVID is a follower. The problem is, is if, that if, you, if you have persistent equity issues and justice issues and fairness issues, you're going to have COVID issues. Yeah. And, and you can have some very smart people, very smart people. I think I mentioned this before, man. It just, it, you know, just a little bit of inequity. You, you know what I mean? You know, a li- you know, you're going to need a whole lot of ingenuity, a whole lot of, in- uh, um, um, a little bit of inequity can counterbalance a hell of a lot of ingenuity. You understand? Mm. And we saw that with COVID. You had some, we were, ICUs were filling up. People were getting sick. You're watching the news. You're hearing about first wave, second wave, third wave, and fourth wave. And what did I look at the issues behind a lot of what we're seeing are equity and justice fairness issues, right? Do you think, do you think if it wasn't, this might be a tough question to answer, but do you think if it was, if COVID wasn't affecting like some of these racialized groups that um, where the inequities have hit and hard. Do you think the, the response would be any different? 
you know what I, I you know I I I believe that you know what system that systemic racism you know it's it's systemic it's not only systemic it's systematized mm. like the system is designed for this particular outcome right because these systems have been, when we talk about systemic racism, it's not, it's not just, is there racism in medicine? There's, there's, there's medicine in racism, right? We need to remember that, right? Mm. And, you know, I, I, I do, I, I do think that, you know, if, if this was a condition, if COVID was something that affected, let's say, people who are at the highest income level, who you know, I, I do think responses would have been different. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I think others have brought up that point. Right. Like, and, and that's what systemic racism does. Right. It means that, you know, if you're part of certain groups and you face a problems, your problems become invisible to the people with power. Mm. Yeah. It, 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 it doesn't mean to... that you don't have problems, but your, your problems are invisible. They, they don't, they don't, they, 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 they people don't see them. Yeah. Because that's I'm... what systemic racism does. It blinds us to that. Right. Yeah, because it was interesting, like one of the things that, you know, a lot of us were preaching early was was paid leave, for example. Yeah, exactly. Paid leave and actually as being a priority, some of the these uh, communities that are being hardest hit to be have early access to vaccinations. Um, yeah. But uh, I feel like a lot of that went to deaf ears. Um, it, so, yeah, you do exactly. wonder, like, if the response would have been different depending on who who was being affected um, exactly exactly i i agree with that totally like you know i remember that you know hearing about that you know paid sick leave you know what i mean and stuff if if if, if you were working certain jobs and you get sick man you need to put food on the table when you get home right mm-hmm. and and to make that kind of decision with between am i going to go to work today or am i going to put food on the table you know, that, that paid sick leave is something important so that you can ensure people have access to it so they can stay at home and, and not have to choose between food and work, right? Yeah. Um, and spreading, the, and spreading, and spreading it around, right? Yeah. And, and, and you kind of think about, like, why was that issue, like, why, would, why did that issue take so long to gain traction, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a, like, is it a, is it a theoretically hard issue to understand? It ain't theoretically hard to understand. It makes perfect sense. Right. Mm-hmm. And all the public health people are saying, yeah, this is something good, but mm-hmm. it's like, you know, is this what is happening or is this, who is it happening to? Mm-hmm. Like, what's the real issue here? My brother, mm-hmm. like sometimes we in medicine, we say like, what's it happening? But we also have to look at like, who is it happening to? And why is it, why is what we are seeing you know, following skin tones. Does that make sense? You could probably use skin tones and predict outcomes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, is this what is happening or is this, who is it happening? Who is it happening to? Right. And I think we need to, I think we need to, to take a a really good look in a, in the mirror and, 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 and sort of have these really real conversations, right. We need to have these platforms to have these conversations because that's a deep conversation. Why, why was, why did it take so long to get, you know, paid sick leave? Makes yeah. sense. Perfectly reasonable. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. Who is happening to my man? Yeah, no, uh, uh, absolutely. And um, I mean, this would also made it very hard. I must say mm-hmm. as, as a, as a guy that was seeing COVID patients come through is when often they, these are people that were hustling, working hard and have left with some difficult decisions. Yeah. And you, ask, you ask yourself, how can we better serve them? Yeah. 
and uh, it just felt like it was going through deaf ears. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Some of these, even now, like I, I don't know how political you want to get here, but like even some of the, (laughs) you know, when we look at addressing hesitancy, vaccine hesitancy, we look at vaccine passports. Mm. Are we, are we thinking about how that's going to affect some of our marginalized communities? Like, I I don't know. You and I've never talked about that. Maybe this is a a tough one for you. You can skip it if you want, but like, did you have a a sentiment on the passport issue or? Well, I I, I just like, I just think that, you know, we have to start asking the right questions, right? And we have mm-hmm. to check where are we getting our answers from and who's giving us the answers to these questions that we're asking. What is their perspective? Because I find a lot of times, a lot of times when we seek an answer for something, we're only looking at a specific perspective. Mm-hmm. And if you're not careful, that perspective can be a privileged particular perspective. Mm-hmm. So the question is, it's not to say that, that that's wrong, that perspective, but, but we have to make sure, is it encompassing of all the perspectives out there? Is it going to be considerate of the person who doesn't have a phone yeah. or where there's no cell phone service? Mm-hmm. Like, is it going to be considerate of those realities that are not necessarily in downtown Toronto where you have good cell phone coverage, right? And you can easily whip these things up and data on your phone, but in somewhere where you don't have that kind of cell phone coverage, you don't have that kind of electronic infrastructure, how is that going to work? Mm. So I, I'm saying that, like, for me, the issue of, of passports is, is make, making sure that we get all those different perspectives. We need to make sure that we're not just looking at privileged perspectives. We need to make sure that there's a system and a process to get all those perspectives and say, all right, if this is going to work, how is it going to work when you don't have a cell phone? How does it work if you're at some place where you don't have reliable cell service or you don't have no cell service at all? right? Um, um, or the internet infrastructure is, is limited, right? Like, how are you going to, how are, how are we going to answer those questions, right? Because, yeah, maybe, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you can finish. No, no, I'm, I'm saying that we need to make sure that we get those, the, the, the entire spectrum of those perspectives, right? Yeah, because, I mean, I, I look at this stuff, like, I just reverse engineer this, like, who lands in the ICU and is, uh, is that intervention going to be impacting the people that I think of landing in the ICU? And right. a lot of them, unfortunately, yeah, a lot of them may or may not have cell phones. You know what I mean? But a lot of them don't. And yeah. a lot of them, uh, you know, uh, in terms of getting access to trying to like the, the English is their second language to yeah, be able exactly. to fully like navigate through the system. And then I think of a family member trying to go to, I don't know, a restaurant or something and then being told they can't walk in the door. And ironically, they look to look like us. Yeah, I think yeah. it needs to be a consideration. You yeah. know what I mean? And I, I just I'm not hearing solutions for 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 some of these uh, concerns. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what I'm saying, like, you know, I, I tell this to residents all the time. that Medicine isn't just about content. It's also about context. So the right answer in the wrong context, it ain't the right answer anymore, right? right? And you need to be aware of that, right? You need to make sure that when you come up with a solution, then sure, yeah, you know what? If you have access to reliable cell phone service, you got a cell phone, then yeah, maybe having something on your phone or an application that you can open up. Um, um, if the store that you're going to go see has access to the internet infrastructure to be able to run that little program to scan that QR code, like there's a lot of other infrastructure pieces that we're assuming are available everywhere. So I'm just making sure we have to make sure that when, when, when we're hearing what the solution is going to be, that that solution isn't driven from a single perspective. Right. 
Yeah. Because oftentimes if you're not careful, that can be a privileged perspective, right? It's, it's the people advising this, are they, how many of them work in northern remote communities? How many of them work in communities where the internet infrastructure can be problematic? How, how many of them are going to work in, like, that's, those are the types of questions to understand, well, this is the patient's context. How is, how is that going to work when you don't got no internet? Does that make sense? Or let's say your phone goes down. I remember a patient telling me this, man, how is this going to work? Because our power goes out a lot and let's say your thing is on your phone and you can't charge it for a couple you know what I mean and how is that gonna you don't got a generator to charge your phone to be able to do that like so there's a lot of those practical questions that we need to make sure that I think we have answers to because we don't just want to make sure that we have the right answer for a privileged group of people exactly and I, I do worry that a lot of the people making our decisions are coming from a, pri- a privileged lens very good. Very good. Yeah. And again, it's not to say that they're doing it from a bad place. Do you understand? It's, but it's, you only see what you see. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. If you, if you, if, if you're, if you, if you don't know that that is going to be an issue, you're not going to see it as an issue. Well, that's Can why I, diversity matters, man. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's why, that's why diversity matters, right? You need to make that, you need to get that right from medical school, right from high school. You've got to make sure that you have that because you want to get those different perspectives. That's going to lead to it. Um, If I could interject one point, like I know at the beginning of the pandemic, you know, one of the things I was concerned about now, this was kind of like sort of a non-issue down south at some of the big hospitals, right? Which is regular oxygen. Yeah. Like I'm I'm thinking about when I'm at the, you know, I work a little bit at the Ottawa hospital and stuff, you know what I mean? And stuff, I come down and do like two weeks and stuff. And, and, um, you know, I know with oxygen, oxygen is just on the wall, right? You show up, you put that little tube in the wall, you go, you can crank it up and you you don't care about it. Right. Because it's like, it's not your job to fill it up. It's not your job to check the supply. It doesn't run out. So you assume it's kind of this commodity that everybody has access to, Mm -hmm. but you see in a lot of communities, you don't have access to a stable oxygen supply like that. You're dealing with oxygen tanks and brother tanks can run out Mm. and tanks can be required to be changed. And there can be a whole series of logistical issues just resolved that if you're practicing in strictly that privileged setting, you're you're not, that's not going to be an issue where you practice. Mm. So you want to make sure that when tables are meeting, they're actually getting those perspectives as well. Because if you're not careful, you, you, your solutions are going to pass entire segments by. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, it's not like you're doing it intentionally. It's not like you're, you're seeking to be like intentional, but you know, you, you, we got to make sure that we're getting those diverse perspectives. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a good point too, as you made, like a lot of these solutions or perspectives have to come from ground level from the yeah. community to exactly. be able to have that lens. Like there's a lot of blind spots when you're making decisions from on up top, like legit people worried of like, this isn't something that I would never even consider thinking about when I'm at the Ottawa hospital or any major site is that, do I have enough oxygen? That's never a thought. That's never a thought. Exactly. Exactly. And in in some communities, that's a big thought. That's a huge problem. How am I going to go? Like how many tanks am I going to have? How many, how many, how am I going to change from one tank to another without the person's oxygen level dropping those types of things? Every consumable that you have in the city that you can just take off the wall and say, I want this medication. Sometimes you may not got that. 
because you don't have the inventory management systems like you do in the large centers to make sure that 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 you don't run out of inventories, right? We kind of suck if you're getting your gallbladder taken out. The surgeon looks at you and say, "I'm sorry, we ran out of staples," and zip zip you back up, right? Mm. To, to, to ensure that we have a system to make sure that that never happens, look at the infrastructure that's required. Mm. And that infrastructure isn't just there because of people's good intentions. It's there because we have acts in, uh, we have acts, we have laws that say, hey man, it's difference between doing healthcare and doing healthcare well. You gotta meet mm. certain standards. Mm. Yeah, and, so, and that's, that's what I'm saying that like, you know, this, this is, you know, what I see so much, it's like almost like a, like a weaponized indifference. Hmm. See, the opposite of love ain't hate, it's indifference. Hmm. Sometimes it's not what's happening, it's why don't I care about what happens? Wow. Or why doesn't society care about what happens, right? Hmm. You know what I mean and stuff? So yeah. Is it what must we do or why don't we care, right? And this is, this, this is a malignant indifference. And, I, and you see that weave through colonization. You see that weave through systemic racism. You see that weave through affecting marginalized populations all the time. Indifference. Your lives don't matter. Yeah. You know, it's a good point. Like, it's, not, it's less obvious than hate. And, like, I mean, hate is e- easier to you know, to point out and to, to almost isolate or what have you. But like when it's indifference, it feels yeah. like when it's Indian like that, like it's, yeah. it's, it goes more unnoticed and then just, and people accept it more. Like, I mean, we talked a lot about what was going on at Sioux Lookout, like segregated hospitals and what have you yeah. talk about like, you know, up North having running out of meds and talk about low, like not having necessary. uh, uh, a, a steady oxygen supply, which, by the way, this is 2021. You know what I'm saying? And exactly. In, in a first world nation, we got to worry about this shit. Exactly. But, and, and you know what? It's just incredible because you know, it's like medicine. We like medicine could do a lot of cool shit. I'm sorry about saying the words, but no, we could, can do like just a lot of. Cool, I go to these conferences sometimes. They're operating on babies in the womb now. That's like. ECMO. We, 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 can, we can take the heart and lungs of a patient and basically take them out of the equation for a little bit to allow things to recover. We can do amazing shit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for using that word. But you know what? The greatest innovation in my mind is how do you operationalize equity? Oh, man. That's, uh, because, that you know, like a- because sometimes in medicine we say, you know what? Technology ain't equity. And ingenuity is not a substitute for fairness. It doesn't substitute for it. That's what I learned. Because look at it. What happens? We were on the verge of this province of having a healthcare system collapse. And you could say, man, man, maybe it did collapse. We were, you know, we were saving weight in the boat by cutting off our own arms. Does that make sense? Like that, that's what we were at a point by a certain point, right? We were getting pretty close, mm-hmm. right? But you see, like, you see when the issue here is fundamentally equity, all that technology, all that technology, that's not equity. Hmm. All that ingenuity, that's not fairness. Hmm. COVID, I, you know, COVID can still fuck people up. Doesn't matter if you can do ECMO. Doesn't matter if you got a fancy ICU. I'm not saying those things are bad and y'all doing some phenomenal things there. But when the issues are equity, justice, and fairness issues, Man, I'm telling you, like, 
there's always going to be trouble. That's mm-hmm. the thing. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's always going to be trouble. I mean, this is. I mean, how do we get? How do we? How do we overcome? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, like I, I get asked this question a lot, but I, I'm interested to hear, like, I'm from your perspective, the inequities, whether it is in medicine or, or globally, and, and all aspects of life. Like, how do we? put a dent in this thing. Exactly. I, I think one of the first steps, and I, I know I mentioned this before, was we got to look at our, we got to take a real look at ourselves in the mirror, folks. Got to look at the real, like when we think about inequity, when we think about like things like systemic racism, how do we personalize that? What does that mean to me? Every Canadian needs to ask themselves that question. Right? Every system needs to ask itself that question. What does that mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. And we, need to, we need to personalize it, right? We need to say, because I, I think sometimes part of it is that there's just a segment of the population that says, yo, man, I don't believe this exists. Part of it, part of it is, is a lot of people just don't believing it exists. Part of it, you know what I think is a big part of it too? I believe it exists. But I'm only going to do so much. And I think that that's actually the more dangerous group because the second group, they can appear very woke. You can have every medical institution and every medical school talking about how it's going to be woke, how it's going to have a pillar of, 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 of diversity and inclusion and equity. And we're going to do this and we're going to do that. But at the core, what are your core values? If we see who runs your departments, do we see equity then? Do you understand? Yeah. If we, if we, so, so I'm just saying that like a lot of times too, we come in there subconsciously with like, oh man, I believe in this. I believe in this. I'm believing this, but I'm only going to do so much. And you know what I think we also do is we say, I want to define what excellence is. I only want to do so much and I want to, I want to be able to define, not have the group that's being marginalized define what excellence is. We want to define it. Look, um, let me give you an example, right? I was just going to um, ask you for an Let me give, let me give you an example here. Um, systemic racism exists in me- medicine, right? I believe that 150%. That's a, that's a well-established, um, um, that's a, that's a well-established, um, uh, and that's a well-established fact. I can be at a university and say, you know what? Our university admits this X many percentage of indigenous students or that X many percentage of black students. Do you understand? And we use, we use, well, if I can tell you that I admit a certain percentage, that means I get like woke credit for that. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then my question is always, that's good. And that's great. And we got to make sure that those opportunities for learning and being in medicine exist to those marginalized groups. There's nothing wrong with that. But what are you doing to address the systemic racism in your institution? What is the environment that you're bringing those students into? Hmm. Because it's either it's going to be an opportunity or if you're not careful, it can be a trap. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And if you if we're not if we're not saying is this a safe space for these students? 
Are we willing to ask ourselves that hard question and make and look ourselves in the mirror to ask those things? Then we could admit, we could admit, uh, we could admit a lot of students of a certain background. Does that make sense? And we're just going to be increasing the possibility that they're going to encounter harm in that space. Yeah. So basically, so I think we need to be careful. Yeah. Basically, it's like yes, we'll admit more people of color, and but what are they? What are they stepping into? Are they, are are they stepping they, into an environment where they're going to be able to thrive, or or, or is it a trap? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I've I've, I've said this many times too. Like, there's a lot of incentive for organizations post George Floyd to show exactly. that they acknowledge this stuff. Yeah. What is your action? Exactly. What, what, exactly. Are, you, what are you doing to flex? What are you doing, exactly. to, like, what are you doing? Uh, to represent? Exactly. What are institutions doing to address this structural, structural racism within their walls? Because yeah. if you go and you bring in a whole bunch of, and again, I want to make it very clear. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm saying, yes, you've got to do targeted interventions to make sure that, 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 that you target certain groups that have been um, 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 affected by systemic racism and affected by colonization. But if you admit those students out addressing the structural problems at your institution, if you're not careful, you've created a, another pathway for oppression. Hmm. And, wh- and what do you think, do you think uh, in general, I mean, it's a tough question, but do you think we're moving towards like having some of these systemic issues being addressed? I mean, on paper, it seems like a lot of people are taking it seriously, but what's your impression? You know what? I think now, like, because you remember Quado, like when we were in med school and when we just started out in residency, there wasn't even a space to even have this conversation, right? There was no space. Like, and I'm sure if you started mentioning, you know, systemic racism when we back went were in residency in the mid 2000s, do you understand and stuff? 15, 20 years ago, people would look at you and be like, what, what the hell are you talking about, right? Mm-hmm. There wasn't even a space. So I, I think now that at least we're working on getting a space to have real conversations, right? And I think that space is developing, right? And, and, and institutions and systems are looking at this. Um, do we have a lot of work to do? We do. We do have a lot of work to do, my brother. There's going to be a lot of work that we have to do and stuff. You know what I mean? So I, I think it's better than it was, but it's not perfect. And I think right now we're, 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 there are these spaces that are being created that are, that are attempting to be safe spaces so at least we can discuss these issues that exist. And, and we're maybe starting the genesis of acting on them, but but do we understand that when we talk about systemic racism is through and through? Remember I said, I said, I was thinking about this, this uh, you know, it's, this is not only about, is there racism in medicine? Remember there is medicine in racism. Remember a lot of the legitimacy for racism came from medicine. A lot of the things that, you know, said that my ancestors were okay to work on a plantation somewhere. Does that make sense? Was medicine saying these people are not the same. They're not human beings. They're subhuman. Mm. What justified, what, what was one of the additional justification for stealing indigenous people's land was that you're not stealing land from human beings. Mm. Some of that was coming through the health, the health medicine system. If you read about, like, like, just let that marinate for a second. 
Like, not only do we have racism in medicine, we got medicine in racism. It was used as a vehicle for this. Do we understand that? I, I, I don't know. <laughs> you know I, mean? I, I, I don't, I don't know people. I don't know if that registers. And like, I mean, as you said, a lot of people, they need to be able to look themselves in the mirror. And yeah. I, and I mean, during this time, I, like you think about too, with all the exposure, the residential schools have gotten over the last yeah month or so, two months. Yeah. yeah. Um, Horrible. I do wonder if there's more and more people looking themselves in the mirror, medicine or not in medicine. Because, I mean, I got to say, as a Canadian, that was a hard pill to swallow. Watch, like, when uh, the news came up about these residential schools. And, I, like, and just, like, this is, you know, because I think a lot of people think we're above that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, no, and that's, man, like, that breaks your heart. Hmm. Like that, 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 that's absolutely shocking. But let me ask you a question, Quadro, about that same issue. Like, survivors have been talking about atrocities at residential schools for years and kids dying, right? Mm-hmm. That's been well documented. The Truth and Reconciliation Commission documented that. Survivors for generations have been saying kids died. Thousands of children died. Peter Bryce over a hundred years ago said that when he went to some of these residential schools as part of the government of Canada, he was noticing the mortality rate was almost 25% at some of these queues, at some of these quote-unquote schools. 25%. So uh, let me ask you a question. Are we shocked because of the news? Because this news is not new. We've known about this and this has been documented for a while. But is Canada shocked at the knowledge of what Canada is capable of? Hmm. Are we shocked at ourselves? Because sometimes are we shocked by the fact that there's, there's who we think we are and who we actually are. And there's a gap, my brother, a big old fat gap. It's it's wild. It it really is wild. And I mean, the other part too, I mean, it makes me just question what, what truly is the shocking part for many. Like, I mean, for me, obviously, I would full stop. It's kids that have died unnecessarily Definitely. that break. That's the thing that breaks my soul. But for though, for others, you wonder, is it, as you said, is it, we didn't, this is not who we thought we were. There you go. Um, Cause it's funny too, how like, like there was the over 200 in the Kamloops area, but more and more exactly. numbers have been going up. Like, and this has been not really, at least when I when I look look up to the news or mainstream media, I don't yeah. know if it's drawing as much attention anymore. Exactly, exactly. Uh, no, but it's... ask yourself: like these are these are kids, these are precious children, and look at what happened to them. And 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 think about this: this happened on a systemic 
national level. This, this is not an accident of history. This is something that a system, this was an outcome that a system wanted. I want people to be shocked by that. And that system that wanted that still exists today. Remember we said, if you don't address colonization, it's just going to reinvent itself into a form that's more palatable to this current generation. That's all that's going to happen. And that's what I'm saying, that like, you you know, it's absolutely tragic and heartbreaking. These places were not schools. These places were designed to to, to deculturalize children. These these places, the mortality rates were massive. How comfortable is Canada with the idea that a school, there was a system that operated where a good percentage of the children were dying in a place called a quote-unquote school. And that went on for years and years and years and years and years and years. How comfortable is Canada with the notion that there's a little bit of a genocidal gene in its DNA? That that doesn't just exist in other countries, that there's that genocidal gene is, is right up in here. And think about it, like, yeah, that's, that's tragic. I guess, I guess the part that I'm having a tough time wrapping my head around too, yeah. which I think what you said is absolutely true, is that that same structure or that same mindset still exists but is 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 presenting its its way in a more societally acceptable very manner. good exactly like and, like cuz if you if you think about it quadro like if you could summarize the, the the canadian sort of colonial ambition what has it been focused on it's basically been focused on how do we get rid of indigenous people how do we remove people from their land and take their land from them and all it does is, or through history, goes through different iterations of that. Now, let me ask you a question. Like, like we talk, let me give you a little example here for real. Um, so what happens when you don't have access to long-term care? Doesn't your elders need to go far away from home? Like what happens when you're up north or when you're here? Exactly. What happens up north, right? When you don't have access to long-term care in your community, where are you going? You're going hundreds of kilometers away, right? You're going hundreds of kilometers away. There's no road that connects the community to where the nursing home is. So there's a good potential that you may never see or only see, I have limited opportunities to see your family. Can you imagine that? You approach end of life. That's and standard. That's, that's what's end- happening today. I know, but like, can you imagine, like, Put your like put your empathetic compassion hat on and be uh, yeah, exactly. imagine being your eighty two year old live a beautiful life and then your care needs increase and you have to spend your last days far away from home far away in a place from where home. no one looks like you or speaks your language and your family can't be around you and you know you're eighty two and you may not have a whole lot more sunsets left and you go there with that knowledge. 
just let that marinate for a little bit. But it's not just that. But but when you think about it, what is it going? Well, what happens is communities are not going to be supported adequately. We're not going to fund communities adequately to make sure that they have access to long-term care. So you end up all the elders or a lot of the people have to, at a certain age, potentially come out and go far away from home. And it's not only you're not going to restrict it to long-term care, you're also going to do things like home care. The federal government's not going to fund home care adequately. So supports that exist in Southern Ontario that are geared towards keeping people at home in Southern Ontario are not available. So what happens means, what happens is not just the people who need long-term care that go, it's the people that have home care needs. They have to go as well. Oh, and, and, and what about like complex continuing care? You know what I mean? Oh, they have to go as well. Oh, what, what, what about dialysis, yo? There's not any dialysis units. Yo, if you're on dialysis, you need to go as well. So aren't we, aren't we not? Like, think about it. Like, think about it. Look at what is happening from a systemic standpoint. Look at what's happening um, 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 from a systemic standpoint, right? Because of underfunding, because of systemic racism, because of, because of inequities, because of not ensuring that people have access to the services that they need in their home community. You have a whole healthcare system that's structured around taking people from their home. Wow. Damn. Full circle. Full circle. So we did it with the kids and now we're doing it with the adults. And the elders. And the elders. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, and that's how we need to understand systemic racism effects of colonization. If you do not deal with it, it just going to reinvent itself into a form that's just going to be more palatable to this generation. And that's all that's happening. See why we talk about, you know, it's one of the great things um, to be involved. You know, it's, it's great um, um, to be involved in some healthcare transformation. You know, it's great to see communities working together to change the healthcare system at its core because it's based on colonial ideologies. Mm. It's based on premises that there's no capacity in the community, so you need to go out for everything. I'm not going to fund you to have access to adequate home care services or, 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 or dialysis or, or long-term care services. I'm not going to fund you adequately for any of that. But if you need something, you're going to have to leave the community to get it. And after a long enough period of time, you're just going to be able to get out enough people, get out enough people, get out enough people. So now it's part of the system. Do you understand? So you got to be careful. You got to be careful. You got to be careful. And that's why you need that total system transformation. And you know what? That's the thing that gives me hope because um, the Nishinaabeaski Nation, which is the large political organization um, for Northeast and Northwest, um, you know, and, and indi- work, um, I'm working with individual communities uh, um, um, and, and regions to really redefine and transform the healthcare system. Because that's what transformation is. It's getting at the core because the problem is the core is off. The problem is the core is off. So once you, once you change the healthcare system from a, from a deeply colonial system to an indigenous patient-centered community care-centered uh, system, that's when you're going to see change. So I'm, I'm like, listen, man, we got to... And, and we're seeing it? We're seeing that? Yeah, you're that seeing it. Transformation? You're seeing the, yes, you're seeing that. You're seeing those conversations happening. That's the first step, right? Mm. you see those things you see those things and people saying why like why don't we have an ambulance why don't we have this why don't we have access to long-term care like other people does that make sense and that's mm. the type of thing is that you need to change the healthcare system the system has some fundamental flaws that are braced based on racism so this is not about just incrementally changing things it's about transforming stuff at the core that's what we have to do that's why i said that's I the answer to, 
That's the answer. That's the answer. You need to have a fundamental change. And that's what, that's what Canada needs. That's why COVID, that's why COVID is creating the issues that it does. That's why COVID is creating the issues that it does. Following inequity. Following the inequity, my brother. All you have to do is, uh, man, you just be a virus. You don't have to, you, you, don't, you, you don't even need to be that strong. All you need to see, do is be able to smell where the inequity is hiding. And then when you smell the inequity, you're going to break through. Hmm. And you're going to have smart people and you're going to have a lot of evidence and research. And we're going to be talking about new medications and new ways of mechanical ventilation. And am I going to use tocilizumab versus remdesivir versus, you know what I mean? And it's like the, the COVID is just going to say, man, all I do is sniff out inequity. Hmm. And I'm just saying, yeah, that, that's, that, that's where we, I think we need that. Uh, that's where I think we need a, uh, a, 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 a fundamental change. Like, like, do we, like I've been doing a lot of reading and like, like, do we understand how like medicine throughout history was actually used as a vehicle to like weaponize racist ideology? Like, do we understand that? That's why I said it's not only racism in medicine. Remember there's medicine in racism, right? These things were used to make things happen more efficiently. Do we understand how a lot of these concepts about, about um, um, people of certain ethnic backgrounds being less human than other people? Therefore, you provided almost a justification for the actions that you were doing. Do we understand that, how that shapes and how that warps and how that changes over time, but that's still at the undercurrent of the system, right? Because patients will tell you, it's like your life doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, I mean, you've seen it You've seen it when with a, a, a BIPOC patient comes through. You, we've all seen it before how they can be treated differently. Right. You know, when a brother comes in or a sister comes in in a sickle cell crisis and, and yeah. under under uh, treating their pain. Yeah. Um, like it, you, you see it like throughout your career. Exactly. And, I mean, yeah. This is one of the things when when people talk about hesitancies in some of these communities, I'm like, do you realize the level of like di- like distrust that exists mm-hmm. within the me- medical community? Because as you said, there's there's medicine and racism. You know, yeah. like this is this is ingrained, and and you know when you when you got something like you know the Taziki trials, which we all like, our parents would have been in primetime years to hear about and see those trials. You know what I'm saying? When you hear about, you know, uh, segregated hospitals in the Sioux, when you hear about uh, maternal fetal medicine or maternal fetal health and knowing that marginalized communities, racialized communities have way worse outcomes. Exactly. To to not like it's, it's these, these are deep. These are deep. These are deep. And if you think about it for years, for years, for years, for years, medicine was used as that reinforcing tool to say that, you know what, um, certain people are medically inferior to other people. So it's okay to, it's okay to put them in slavery. It's okay. It's okay to steal that person's land. It's okay because they're not as good as the other group. Remember medicine was, was shouting that on a megaphone for years. 
So you have to understand, and, and this is what I'm saying, whether you mentioned a good example, Tuskegee trials, you, you, you know, like, like just, the, we have to understand that, that there's medicine racism. And sometimes when your patients are hesitant, they're telling you that because you're saying medicine's good. Look at the technology. Look at the shit we can do. We can take a heart out of one person and put it in another person. We can connect your heart and lungs to a machine to take your heart and lungs out of the equation. But what are they saying? They're saying, yeah, that's great. But there's medicine and racism. The racism that I experience every single day has medicine in that. Yeah, I really think people have no, no clue. Honestly, I, there's so many... Like, I think this is why, just at a personal level, like some of these, like I always I ask myself, why do I get so bothered when people are like, you know, want to use those uh, like shame tactics when it comes to vaccine hesitancy? Why, why, why do I get so upset when people are just pushing hard mm-hmm. on the vaccine passports and so forth? It's because, honestly, I feel like when it comes to our people, they're not being thought of. They're not being, their, their experience is not being considered. Yeah. And I think that's what drives me, like why I get, I get a, like a visceral reaction from some of this is because it's, it's not being a a lot of times we're not acknowledging their experience. We're not acknowledging that. Exactly. We're not acknowledging their perspective is what is more of the eloquent way of saying it. And which. And And, and you know, Exactly. Exactly. Sorry about that. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. And and you know what? One of the fundamental reasons why we don't acknowledge their perspective is because we don't even acknowledge their personhood. Mm. Because for years, a lot of the people were not even regarded as human beings. That's what medicine said 150 years ago. Mm. And you can see how it weaves in. And that's why you feel like your life doesn't matter. Because you had systems that told you your life doesn't matter. Hmm. Like, just like that, like, you know, look at that, that absolute tragedy of what happened at these schools. You had a system, Canada, that did this. This wasn't an isolated incident. You don't do this for so many years without a system that wants this as a result. That's where you are. It's the system. You don't just get a schoolyard with indigenous children laying dead inside without a system, with nobody finding out, nobody shutting a system down, it running unchecked for, 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 for decades and decades and decades without a system. I think that's what's scary. I think that's what it really is what's scary. It's, it's clearly like this takes work. Yeah. This is not something that is just passive. Oh, exactly. You know, to, to be able to, to 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 harm this many kids. Exactly. I like you. That's a, this. That took work. It took effort. It took a degree of intentionality and thought. Yeah. Focus and, and focus to get the result, because that's what I'm saying. Those children dying to the system, that's not a failure, that's a success. This is not a system that is, that is failing that, that, that at doing good. This is a system that's doing good at failing, and that's what it wants. 
And that's what we need to let marinate. When you hear the stories of, the, 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 of those survivors telling absolutely tragic tales of what went on and how they would see people and have the abuse people face, just thinking that happened at a school. That was a system. A system wanted those tears. And that same system that wanted to separate people from their land is still operating today. Wow. Yeah, and you know, like clearly, you know, we we've illustrated how how much a, of a problem this is, how an ingrained, how it's kind of almost like a, a fabric within in, within within Canada, you yeah. know, like. And I, I asked this before, but I, I'll say it again. Like, we got to do something about it. And the way that looks, I'm not 100% sure, but mm-hmm. clearly what I'm hearing from you in, in terms of solutions, l- continuing to push people to look at themselves in the mirror and say, like, this is part, this is, this is us. Yeah. You know, and acknowledging that truth. You know, I, I think an important part for me is to have people, more and more people uh, in, in, in positions of leadership to be able to address some of these concerns. Yeah. Because, I mean, d- decisions get made at the top. Yeah. Uh, and so I think m- more of us need to be in a position to have a voice. Yeah. You know, I think... I don't know how you do this, but almost like continue to preach empathy and compassion. Like this is, this should be a value within our, within us to, to, to really to like, to be able to open up our perspective and, and really feel what it must be like for those that don't look like us. Exactly. And hopefully that encourages some form of action. Um, but yeah, we, we can't just sit on, sit on the bench watching this shit happen. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, no. Like it's that listening, right? Listening, believing, mm-hmm. having truth telling spaces where people can share with you their truth. I think that's paramount. Like, because the problem is we see how, what does colonization do? What does systemic racism do? It doesn't believe you. Hmm. You're invisible. And we talk about indifference, weaponized indifference. That's the whole name of the game. You're invisible. You're not a human being. That was the, that was the historic biologic, you know what I mean? What, 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 what the lies that were perpetuated a lot of times by medicine. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And what does that do? It makes you invisible. And when you're invisible, I don't care about you. I can be indifferent towards you. So whether it's to, 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 to let you work on a plantation and exploit a group of people, or whether it's not to steal your land right up from underneath, right, right beneath the feet, your, your, right beneath your feet, it don't matter because you ain't a human being and you don't matter. Do you see that indifference coming into, coming into play? You know what I mean and stuff? And, and, and yeah, so... You know, it's the, those truth-telling spaces, it's believing, it's listening, 
that's that that's important you know what i mean and and it's great to see like it's it's great to see you know health transformation the genesis of that happening you know what i mean and stuff and that that's 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 that is awesome that is fantastic to be able to see but man like medicine sometimes has to get its head out of the sand man like sometimes you know medicine suffers from that delusion that it's all good to all people, right? Well, I, I must say I am in, at least a, a bit encouraged that these conversations are happening. That, oh, yeah, that definitely. we're acknowledging these these concerns. Yeah. Um, but uh, we need to continue to push. We, and, exactly. And this is what motivated to me to get you back on and talk more about this. these concerns out you know, these systemic concerns. Yeah. Because uh, a, a massive light needs to be shown on this. Exactly. Like, and it's like, like, look at, look at how we talk about water, right? Like clean water, clean running water. And there are indigenous communities today that have not had clean running water for years. You ask yourself the why. That's not a technology issue. It's not because we don't know. It's not because we, we don't know how to put the technology in there or how to run the technology. That's not what it's about. Like, ask yourself, like, why is it there's communities that have been, that have been 25 years without clean running water? Would that be acceptable to anybody else? Not happening in the Glebe, that's for sure. It ain't happening in the Glebe, my man. 25 minutes, people are going to be protesting. You know what I mean and stuff? 25 minutes, you're going to be protesting in some neighborhoods if you ever have a book. Can you imagine that? Seriously. Seriously. 25 minutes, you'd be protesting. Do you understand? And that's what I'm saying is that, like, just think about that some communities for 15, 20, 25 years not having access to clean running water and that's some, somehow okay for, for in this nation that we're going to have those kind of systemic equities, inequities operating in full view? Screw that shit. That is, that is just like, that is, that is, that is crazy. That is, that is just... What sometimes, sometimes the issue is not. Sometimes the issue is that we 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 don't know what the problem is, but subconsciously we don't want to do it. Because what's the issue sometimes here is I don't want to spend that kind of money on them. Hmm. Does that make sense? I don't want to invest that kind of infrastructure cost on that group of people. You understand? And that's, that's two different problems. Some problems, man, you're sick and you need a medication that hasn't been invented yet. That is a different problem than there's a solution. Everybody wants that solution. But you know what, man? Um, the solution's there. Everybody wants it. You got the technology. But, man, that's going to be expensive. Man, if we start getting all those, like, that's, what, that's how governments think. Man, that's going to be expensive. All, all of them with clean water? Man, that's going to be billions. So we know we know what we 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 know what we need to do, but the problem is we don't want to do it. We don't want to have that look in the mirror and say, "Why don't I want to do it?" 
My goodness. Mike, we got we got somehow leave this bad boy with some kind of positive flavor. No, no, I'm serious, man. I'm serious. There's change, man. It's great to see change. There's great to see change. I don't want to leave, you know, with, with doom and gloom, man. I was telling you, you know, as I said before, I'm inspired every day by hope. People not giving up, Mm. not giving up. I mentioned that before. I'm going to say it again. Hope is contagious. Hope is more contagious than Corona has a higher R value. (laughs) <laughs> I'm serious. What's up? The R not a hope is like 14. The, the R not a hope is like 50. Does that make sense? Oh, it is I contagious. Love it. Man, people, I, I have I have met some people with some levels of hope in some like situations that you'd be wondering how can you find hope in these situations? And they say, you know what? We've been down, but we're gonna get up again. Do not worry. We're gonna keep on trying. I'm a, like, and, and I said this last time, and I, and I know. You know, sometimes people, when you say hope, they're like, oh, hope, you know what I mean? It is important. It is important. And I get inspired every day by patients and community leaders that show that hope, that show that gumption to keep on fighting. That is contagious. That has a high R not value. It's more contagious than Corona. I love it, people. They're, More contagious than Corona in a room with no ventilation, with the no mask on. No mask on. You understand it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm taking off that N95 to get some of that uh, that hope there, in me. There you go. There you go. And that's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. And that's that's a big that's a big deal. You know that people change is possible. Sometimes yeah. colonization wants you to think that you know what change is possible. I've seen change. I see people fight to get services for their kids and get those services. Yeah. And I'm telling you, it happens every single day. So I know we talked a lot, but I want to say that there is massive examples of hope, massive examples of people changing the situation about them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Taking the power back, doing their best to put in their hands. I love it. Exactly. Oh man. Mike, as always, I consider myself more woke than ever before, my friend. Like every time we talk, I feel so inspired. Like I was ready to run through this wall. You know what I'm saying? I was ready to be like, yo, man, enough is enough. You know, we got to do our part. And uh, you're like, fuck this shit. Like, yes. You're going to edit that out, right? (laughs) No, I'm not. But uh, (laughs) but, uh, honestly, buddy, uh, I want to thank you for taking the time. I want to thank you for all the advocacy. I want to thank you for the work that you're doing in, in, in areas where people aren't doing the work and, and put shining this massive light on, on the inequities and the uh, atrocities that are happening within our own country. And uh, I hope as a result, we're going to continue the conversation and, re- and really create some change in oh, our yeah, own country. De- definitely, man. Definitely. And I, I want to say, you know, I, I've had the privilege of, working with some phenomenal people, phenomenal patients, just really awe-inspiring. And I just want to give a massive shout out, you know, both in Sioux Lookout and Moose Factory, working with, you know, um, getting to work with community leadership. Like it is, it has been a blessing, like a massive blessing to be able to witness that level of hope, to, to witness that level of courage. Because that's what you need. You need courage to hope in certain situations, right? And they display that courage exponentially. 
I always tell, man, I'm telling you, Canada needs to watch. Let me tell you something. The people that, I always tell people, you are stronger than your oppressors. Remember yes. that. Absolutely. You are, you are stronger, stronger than, than your, your oppressors. oppressors. Yeah. Amen, my brother. Amen. Thank you so much for this. Awesome, awesome. Hope you enjoyed that Quadcast Nation. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, at Quadcast. Leave any comments at Quadcast99 at gmail.com. Check out Solvent Wellness. As you heard, Dr. Curlew busting that out. It's a great initiative we're doing to reduce burnout amongst healthcare professionals. Jump on that train, solventwellness.com. Leave a five-star review, comment on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps with the visibility of the show and it allows us to continue to change that movie. Thanks so much, people. We love you and we'll connect again real soon. Peace.